All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth-building market insights. And this is Bull Bear Radio. Hey, it's episode number 48. Is the market fed up, Don Schreiber? Oh, I think the I think the market is fed up. I think the Fed is, you know, uh, giving everybody a, a, a cause for concern because of their interest rate forecast, meaning that they're going to put, you know, the pedal to the metal and continue to raise rates uh, maybe well beyond neutral. Well, and neutral's... Neutral's pretty far out, man. Well, it's like well, that's, a year and a half from now. Well, that's what they say in the in, in the Fed minutes here. So we'll talk about the recent market volatility in a second here. But you know, the Fed minutes finally came out. Um we're we're doing this a little bit later in the week than we normally do here, at Bull Bear Radio, in terms of the taping, because we've got a lot of good data, a lot of good stuff, a lot of market volatility, a lot of stuff to talk about here today. But let's continue on the Fed. The Fed seems to have really riled the markets up. They said, you know, the majority on the Fed believe interest rate policy will have to become restrictive. They're going to actually raise rates to where it may start to bump into uh, hurting the economy. And that's what they're saying. Are you, is that what they're really saying? Absolutely. Am I and nuts? I that, Has everybody you know, read think, this thing wrong? No, I think I think the Fed's nuts. Because I think that already we have indications that there are segments of the economy that are slowing. One of the other things that the Fed is really underappreciating, I think, is the effect on the rest of the world. Emerging markets are taking it in the throat. China is crumbling. Um, and a lot of it has to do with higher interest rates in the United States and the strength of the dollar. And add on to it that we have dramatically stronger economic growth in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. And all of a sudden, it's a big, big problem. Raising rates, not only tough on the U.S. economy and and, and companies, different segments of the industry, but we're absolutely putting so much pressure on every other economy in the world. And, you know, we're about to get Beijing, brother. Well, you know, one place, as you were pointing to, that you can see this rising rate starting to affect the economy. And it's a smaller piece of the economy these days. Granted, it's housing, right? Housing starts are down over 5% year over year at the moment. Existing home sales are down uh, through August, right? The, the the housing starts just came out. You saw Home Depot disappointed on earnings because of housing starts. Uh, existing home sales are down through August, almost 3% year over year. So these are these are problems because you know prices, more, uh, housing prices are up. Uh, so are mortgage rates. Um, the thing with housing starts is that the cost, the input lumber prices are way up because of the tariff talks, so on and so forth. So you know that also pushes housing prices uh, higher, um, but also will decrease if the housing prices are still strong demand for those housing starts and you're starting to see that number slump i mean you should see the the chart i'm looking at 
yeah, year over year, it's down 5%, but we're down, you know, month over month from earlier this year. It's a big decline, uh, a much bigger decline from peak to trough on housing starts. Is this the beginning of the end in terms of, uh, you know, the strength we've seen in housing? Well, I think, you know, the numbers are, are, are giving us a clear indication that housing is slowing and housing, you know, affects a broad swath of the U.S. economy. You know, you've got all of the, uh, you know, furnishings, uh, the, uh, you know, refrigerators, washer and dryers, you know, everything that goes into a house, electrical uh, components, you know, it's really a big deal. Do you think hey, this hey, starts hey. to affect consumer sentiment and eventually consumer spending and, you know, because the consumers, you know, close to 70% of economic activity here in the United States, do you think that really starts to put a dent into uh, the consumer psyche eventually? Yeah, eventually. I think that, you know, we're probably okay right now. I think that housing uh, prices haven't fallen enough. Uh, they're starting to soften in many markets, but they haven't fallen enough really to put us in the consumers. danger zone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, so, you know, one of the things that I was surprised at, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Professor Matt, but, you know, uh, European auto sales, boom, bad news, brother. You know, tariffs are starting to bite, too. This is something that the Fed has to take into account. You know, uh, steel, et cetera, you know, a consumption uh, behavior. Why did all of a sudden, you know, companies in um, uh, Europe, you know, the really strong auto sector, one of their biggest industries – all of a sudden, fall off the map. Absolutely. Well, the DAX is down almost fourteen percent through the year for the year as of uh, today's taping. So, uh, I think the market over there is indicating that uh, you know there's trouble in uh, Deutsche Land, not Deutsche sure. the bank, right? But in in in, in yeah, Germany. Germany's, Germany's a huge car producer. You know, they're making, uh, you know, uh, Mercedes, Mercedes BMW, BMW, so on and so forth. Yeah, you bet. <clears throat> so, you know, you got to watch these things. I think we're seeing the first uh, seeds of, uh, you know, uh, slowness starting to show up. The termites that we talked about on our last show uh, that are starting to eat at, you know, the uh, economic infrastructure. Yeah, well, we were talking about this, you know, pretty much earlier this year, late last year. Everybody was talking about, you know, move to, you know, European stocks. And emerging market stocks because Man, you didn't want to do that. Woo. You didn't want to. You did not want to follow the uh, conventional investment wisdom there, brother. Because you know all of these markets are down big so far. While people were recommending that because European and and uh, Asian companies have uh, you know uh, they're less overvalued, yep. they have well, a better valuation point. That that's not a good reason to just jump into stocks. If the trends are negative, right. the trends have been negative and it's dragging prices lower. And 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 it really is. So the Nikkei has finally, and it was one of the you know stronger performing major markets outside the United States, but it's now turned negative for the year uh, through, again, the, the today's taping, uh, just slightly in the negative territory. The Hang Sang's down 15 the uh, CSI 300, which is one of the major uh, Chinese uh, mainland indexes, down 29. Shanghai Composite down 29.5. The Shenzhen Composite down 39.17%. You can start to see this also trickling throughout um, Asia uh, and some of the stronger markets there. 
But, you know, even India, who who has had a ton of growth in the last few years and a, a good performing market, the nifty 50s down, you know, almost 14 percent for the year. So not not so nifty over there at the moment. And this is starting to trickle, it would seem. Uh, throughout, uh, you know, other uh, areas like Australia, New Zealand have started to have a tough time and they they really are supportive of, uh, you know, the Chinese economy in terms of raw materials and stuff. And now Europe is starting to hit the stumbling block and we still haven't gotten to Brexit yet. And and that's something uh, that that uh, is a major risk here that uh, could come to uh, could come to uh, fruition in the next couple of months. You know, I'm worried about uh, China the most. It's, you know, Outside the U.S., it's the uh, second largest economy in the world by some counts, maybe the largest economy in the world. The emerging markets that you just mentioned, um, you know, Australia and all of the rest of the emerging markets are really dependent on China, especially in the natural resource area. And their economy is cooling very quickly. It's actually uh, starting to contract. And I think that the contraction is much, much deeper than, um, you know, the uh, The numbers would indicate. Yeah, the formal numbers that are published by the, um, you know, the government uh, would indicate. Well, one of the money managers over there actually said uh, overnight that there's extreme pessimism. Uh, there's a lot of concern over uh, margin calls and, and the the leverage that's inherent in that, uh, you know, market structure. And yeah, I think, um, yeah go. I think I, I read seventeen percent. Of the market, uh, uh, the value of all stocks is uh, out on margin. That's a big, big problem as these, uh, you know, uh, prices cascade lower today right. again. You know, down almost three percent. Yeah. Yep. So, and and we spoke uh, a week or two ago here on Bull Bear Radio about you know uh, it's about a fifteen trillion dollar. Uh, you know, economic production number for in total for GDP for China, and about three trillion of that is just building. You know, residential housing units. It, you know, there's been a reluctance so far by Beijing to to enter and provide support and liquidity in their markets. This may be also indicative, I would think, of are they going to continue to support some of these building projects that continue to fuel their GDP growth. Um, and if they don't, that, that could really have ripple effects throughout the world, right? Well, I, I, yeah, I think so. I think that they're going to do everything they possibly can to keep their economy rolling and strong. Um, you know, they've they've tried to uh, get rid of some of the excess excess debt that's in their system. They've got a lot of, you know, uh, non-banking, non-government uh, debt. You know, the municipalities issue debt. There's all kinds of shadow debt going on in um, in uh, China and 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 the stuff is kind of toxic. Do you waste. think we start to see an export problem in in the the numbers that start to come out here with the tariffs actually starting to bite? And will that take a significant bite out of GDP? Do you think the Chinese come back to the bargaining table sooner rather than later? Or do you think this persists, the trade war persists for a while? I don't know. I think, you know, we're in a good spot right now. Um, you know, China's got their own problems. You know, we're talking about slowing economy contraction. You know, they need to be careful about what they're doing. And I think that... Uh, you know, we have a G20 meeting where the leaders of uh, both uh, countries are going to get together and, you know, they may uh, uh, they're not going to knock out a uh, trade agreement at the G20, you know, but uh, they could say, look, let's settle this thing. 
Right. Let's get it done. So, so hey, let's... and I think that, that I think that that's likely to happen. I really do. I think that the two leaders will come together and um, you know uh, essentially agree to uh, you know make this thing uh, work. By the end of the year, we could have a a, a trade agreement with China. Sure, it'll be good for both countries. So good for the global economy. So if between now and then, right? We better for markets. Sure, for sure. And and so I think we could we could have a powerful Santa Claus rally if right. We're switching gears here a little bit. Nobody yet, and it's just a couple of weeks out, is talking about midterm elections. I don't know if. You know, the Democrats happen to take the House and the Senate that that's priced in here at all uh, to the market. If that happens, do you think the market might, uh, you know, dive a little bit lower, deeper uh, in in the current, uh, you know, downward decline we have if that does happen? Um, Because then the presidential's pro-growth policies are kind of toast, right? You know, it's like uh, when you were a kid playing hangman, you know. How many how many letters do I have to solve this puzzle? I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. I think that uh, certainly there is tremendous uh, market risk uh, on a um, unexpected midterm result. Right uh, now, on so the flip I, I, side, I think, right on the flip side, I think if side, things go well, though, we could get that year end rally that you're talking right. about. Right, and I I think you could see if if the Republicans hold and and take the House and the Senate, you might see Trump bump part duh, right. Which was a very popular movie many years ago, you know, whatever it was. But uh, Trump I think he, on part duh? Yeah, which is part two. That was a popular movie? No, 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 no. Not that it wasn't that that wasn't the name of the movie, but it was one of those uh th- those movies, uh funny movies back in the day. We're, that, we're gonna we could see a sequel. Yeah, like we'll we have did. a sequel. Off, off, off the rally. Two years uh, two years later we'll see a little bit of a rally because uh, the president's uh, policies remain intact and and we might have uh some of these pro growth policies in in place to to fuel this market higher. Uh that doesn't mean that the market won't run into trouble because of some of these other risks we're talking about, like China, like the Fed, so on and so forth. But hey, um earnings have been think- so strong so far this earnings season. Absolutely. I think so, you know, people people like the policy momentum we've had. And I think that that's one of the things that's in our favor uh, from that perspective. I would hate to see the positive economic uh, policies, you know, get thrown uh, essentially under the bus because of any uh, thing that happens with midterms. OK, so we're going to talk a little bit more. We're early in earnings season here. We've had some good. We've had some bad. Uh, we've had some ugly in terms of the market volatility. We'll talk about that when we get back in just a second. Are you looking for more value-added content, market updates, or economic outlooks from our hosts? Visit WBIinvestments.com today to get your hands on all of WBI's content. We look forward to seeing you there. And we're back. So as usual, right, we put out a bunch of stuff on Twitter, WBI president, WBI CEO, Bull Bear Radio, you can check us out. We're all on LinkedIn. Matt Shriver, Don Shriver, WBI Investments. Bull Bear Radio's not there, but uh, you know, check us out. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can do that on all the the normal spots where you can pick up a podcast. And, and as always, you know, you can hang out on the back porch and listen to us too on your Sonos, you know, sound system if you'd want to. It's available through the TuneIn app. So, Don Shriver, we're back here. Want to talk a little bit about earnings season and how this may 
impact markets over the short term here. So far, uh, I pulled uh, Bloomberg. We got 70 companies in the S&P 500 uh, reporting so far. We've got earnings growth of 22.1% and revenue growth of 7.47%. That's with 70 of 500 reporting. What you think of that? Awesome. Awesome. Compounded growth in earnings quarter over quarter, four quarters now, we've had 20 plus percent compounded growth in earnings and almost, almost 10 percent in revenue. I, man, I've not seen anything like this. I've been in a while, doing this yeah. for almost 40 years. This is really, are, really strong. Are people discounting, uh, you know, corporate the the compounding uh, Don, I mean, they're talking about peak percentage growth may have been last quarter, but I'm not a mathematician. You got to help me out here and, and, and our listeners out here. If we still have 22% earnings growth on last year's great earnings growth, isn't the dollar growth really, really positive, really strong in terms of the value of that growth, the strength of that growth? Sure. You know, uh, S&P, uh, Earnings, the total earnings that are for the year are projected to be up really dramatically this year. Um, and so, you know, not only do we have growth quarter over qu- last year's quarter, but we have fantastic real earnings growth in the economy. Companies are making more money. So, you know, re- you're t- yeah. So, so what we're pointing to is real dollar earnings growth, real earnings power, right? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you know, it's unbelievably powerful. So, uh, you know, so there's not much not to like on the on the U.S. earnings front so far. Let's say companies disappoint here on earnings expectations. Does that take the market lower here? You know, I don't think so. I don't think companies are going to disappoint on earnings. I think companies may disappoint on future guidance. We could have, uh, you know, expectations have been ramping up every single quarter over the last four or five quarters. Analyst expectations have been low and they have been, you know, essentially ramping them up to try to get to the point where, uh, you know, the analyst expectations aren't too low. They've gotten high. So, right. you know, the expectations for next quarter, for fourth quarter earnings and for the first quarter earnings could be, you know, outsized. It could be high. That could be a disappointment. You know, uh, we're still going to get, I believe, net real growth in earnings that is just fantastic by historical comparison. So you're you're kind of saying, okay, there's some risks out here. You think even if uh, companies, you know, miss on expectation, it's if I'm reading between the lines here, you're kind of thinking if midterms you don't have a shocking result, uh, if companies do all right this quarter, am I am I hearing that markets may recover? Uh, powerful Santa Claus rally, maybe through year end? Well, I think that the current concern over the Fed and interest rates um, starts to uh, wane, you know, starts to abate a little bit. As long as the Fed isn't out there banging on their uh, tightening tam- uh, uh, tambourine uh, and scaring the heck out of markets. So far, you know, um, the minutes yesterday obviously are giving the market uh, indigestion here, interest rate indigestion. People are fed up already with the Fed. That's why the markets are going down. So you think that the market might pop a tums here in the short term? I and, do. I think, and, and people I think, will get over it as long as the Fed's not out there really, really hammering that we're going to raise rates. If they're quiet through now, through year end kind of, and we get the December rate hike, you think everything's going to be a okay? 
Well, I think that the Fed's going to, you know, uh, calm down their rhetoric a little bit. I, I would if I was them. I'm hoping that uh, Chairman Powell and the other uh, uh, Fed members, you know, calm um, things down a little bit. Yeah, well, recognize, you know, that they've got the power just through uh, what they're saying to uh, derail market, markets, right. you know, and and we don't need that, right? So I'm I'm expecting um, a, a year-end Santa Claus type rally uh, by beginning of November. Most of the big companies that are fueling, you know, the uh, rise in prices through buybacks are going to be back in the marketplace and they are going to pound the capital back into uh, the markets with buybacks. You know, all these great earnings that they've had, they're coming back mm -hmm. in. The repatriated capital, you know, this uh, 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 bonanza of capital that we had from the tax act, it's going to come right back into yeah, the market. So if you're, and I think it drives prices higher. Yeah, and and if you're, like we hit this at the top of the show, if you're an international investor and you're starting to see losses pile up and the U.S. market's got some resilience, wouldn't you think some of that money foreign investment comes into the U.S. market to, to end the year here potentially too? Sure. I think that, you know, if you're an investor in um, other markets around the world and you see what's going on in the U.S., you know, you want to be uh, putting some capital work. Well, the, in, especially because the, the fundamentals are weak there and the fundamentals are strong here, right? We could have a fourth quarter that's strong on M&A. M&A would obviously drive the market higher also. Um, th there's a lot, uh, you know, uh, positives that could happen for the end of the year if things line up. Of if course, things if, line up. Yep. If, if things don't line up, you know, it's going to be a tough fourth quarter. Yep. Okay. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of volatility last week. Markets were down just in a couple of days, about 5% across the major gauges. Most of that was because the leaderships faded, which we hit about two weeks ago. If the leadership turned, and started to falter. You know, the top 10 stocks were about 50% of the return, 15 if you didn't hit, you know, catch this, about 60% of the return, the top 15 performers, the top 20 performers was 70, and uh, the top 25 performers was about uh, three quarters of uh, the 10.5% return markets provided through Q3. So if, if, if those companies that you know, provided three quarters of the return started to falter like they did last week. The market gets in trouble. Um, you know, long story short here, Don, you think that the the big companies will be fairly resilient through year end and, and maybe have a little bit of a resurgence with buybacks, earning season, so on and so forth, and really can help to, to keep the market strong? Yeah, one of the things that we've talked about, big risks to the markets, is this crowded trade into passive indexes. You know, and as the companies buy back their stock, the you know the, they they tend to support prices or drive prices higher, which which causes investors to get more excited about buying these passive, uh, you know, index ETFs. As they do, that's a self fulfilling proposition. It adds more uh, capital fuel to essentially the pricing fire. You know, and um, you know these companies are going to melt up. You know, yeah. that's what they're going to do, and so will the indexes. Uh, I think that that tendency is there. Obviously, that's good as long as the trend is positive. It's unbelievably dangerous if the trend breaks down or when the trend breaks down. Um, you know, and this may be the last hurrah. This this uh, uh, rally we expect in the fourth quarter may be, you and know, maybe even the Q1. Uh, yep. Yeah, it, it, it's it it may be uh, something that uh, you know really looks good. Uh, it might be a head fake. We'll have to see how it works out. One of the reasons that um, 
you know, we actively manage risk to capital is so that, you know, we can protect ourselves from the huge price reversion uh, as markets start to fall apart. You know, those that leadership tends to fall way more. Back in 1999, the NASDAQ, which was, you know, those Surge. top 10 yep. stocks, you know, tech stocks were up 85 percent for the year. The NASDAQ was up 85. You know, that top 10 stocks in the NASDAQ in 2000 through 2002 correction were down 85 percent. And when, you know, it sounds like, hey, you know, I, I made 85 percent, I gave up 85 percent. And if you understand how the math of losses work, if I had a million dollars and it grew by 85 percent, I'd have a million eight fifty. If I lose 85 percent of that, I'm left with 400,000 of my original million um, you know, those are devastating losses. And the reason why we want to, you know, get to cash, which we've done recently on this volatility, um, you know, that's the way our process works at WBI. We believe that, you know, protecting capital is the most important thing you can do to improve your odds of long-term investing success. Right. And so one of the things we want to remind people that while there may be a, a you know, a nice year-end rally here, and we wouldn't raise, you know, just willy-nilly raise and sit in cash or even um, go to bonds because bonds may have some interest rate pressure as the Fed continues their rate hiking path. You know, you got to have uh, an exit plan. You've got to take risk off rationally in a disciplined way. Um, you know, so, that's what we do at WBI. Yeah, so, so you've raised cash uh, off this most recent decline. 2015, you know, markets moved off those highs, Don. Uh, in, in summer, we moved to cash. Um, get back in maybe towards year end. Market goes down again. And uh, again, slow to get back in. Is is today different than 15 or maybe early 16? Well, in 2000, um, you know, the fourth quarter of 2014, for the first time, we had negative earnings trends and revenue trends start to show up. And by uh, August of 2015, we were about three quarters uh, into a negative earnings trend. Uh, we require, once we go to cash, uh, companies that we are looking to buy back to have positive earnings and revenue trend. Uh, as one of the criteria, why would you buy a stock that you so, know its its fundamentals are falling apart? So, but today we have phenomenal fundamentals. That's what I was going right? to say. I, so so we then, cash, fifteen we'll and get sixteen back in very quickly. Fifteen and sixteen, you had negative earnings. Yeah. Seventeen and eighteen, you have positive earnings. So you can put the money back to work. Did you put the money back to work quick earlier this year off of, you know, what was for a lot of indexes a correction? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that we seek to do is take very small losses here in an overvalued market. And, you know, if the uh, trends, the price trends start to firm, market starts to rally again, man, we're back in, um, you know, real quick because we've got positive revenue and earnings trends. The fundamentals support uh, investing. They didn't in 2015 and 16. And that's why, you know, we held cash and we had uh, underperformance during that period. Uh, but 17, as a, as a 17 generally speaking, some good performance. And, and in 18, you know, Q3 was a good quarter uh, for, for a lot of the strategies because we had redeployed that capital, correct? You bet. Okay. So anyway, hey, that's that's all we got time for on uh, Bull Bear Radio today. Volatile markets, the volatility could be here to stay for the next couple of weeks without the supportive, you know, effects of buybacks. And uh, the market's just generally speaking a little fed up. We'll be back, you know, next week and we'll see what happens. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week 
you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stocks discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time. And there is always the possibility of loss. You should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or any other investment professional. If you have questions regarding the applicability of specific issues discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or your chosen professional advisor. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. WBI's advisory operations, services, and fees are in the form ABV available upon request. You are not permitted to publish, transmit, or otherwise reproduce this information in whole or in part in any format to any third party without the express written consent of WBI Investments Inc.